Welcome to episode number five of the Prep Files podcast. You are joined today by your host, Tyrone, Tyrone Felino. Well, I almost stuff up my own name here these days. And Amy Dorrell. Welcome, Amy. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Well, on today's uh, episode, we're going to do macros versus meal plans. What to use when, how to use them, when to use them, who uses them. It's such a debated topic. Even amongst coaches, you've got some that are on the meal plan train and then others are on the Ifa Fitzy macros. It definitely comes down to quite a few different factors, which we'll run through today, but it is a debated topic. It is, it is. And before we start, I'm going to put it out there that one of us is probably going to either sound half asleep because we're doing a late recording tonight and I apologize. Or, and it might be Amy, or it might be me, or it might be me that's absolutely going 100 miles an hour because I've had to caffeinate myself all day from a lack of sleep. But anyways. We'll make it. Quick quick rundown. When this show comes out, we're probably uh, a couple of weeks out from the start of season B. How's season B looking for your competitor? Just quickly. Yeah. So to give a quick overview, so I have one competitor, a fitness competitor for season B this year, and we are currently three weeks just over three weeks out now from our first show of the season so this topic is definitely really relevant to coming into peak week and coming into closer to show where we're starting to really refine everything that we're doing and really starting to dial in bringing the best physique possible for this first show of the season so she's coming in great all ahead of schedule like we sort of touched on in previous episodes Um, We're trying to be ready four weeks out early and at the moment we are, we're all on track. So we're actually looking at running a couple of practice peak weeks leading into show, which is a nice place to be. Not everyone has the luxury um, to be there, but I think if you can, it's definitely well worth giving it a go. How about yourself? Myself, a quiet season this one. So I've got one competitor again, and I think we're both uh, doing the same shows. Your your competitor and mine. So again, three weeks out, um, and I've got to compete. I've got a bikini competitor for this season. So she's doing well, coming in really, really well, lean, all on schedule, can't complain, adherent, um, and she's she's traveling pretty well. You wouldn't even think that she was dieting. To be fair, I mean, she comes in, gets all her, gets all her steps done, does all the cardio, gets her training done. Just on repeat at this point. Yeah, just on to repeat. I mean, you can really tell. She, she walked in this morning. I was like, ooh, that diet face is coming on. Those cheeks are looking a bit hollow. But, yes, yeah, same sort of situation. So I've got her running. At the moment, we're running two high days this week to get us a bit of a, an idea of a practice peak week. Um, and that's just going to be dependent on on her schedule. So it may turn into three high days, depending on her training times or training times for the, for the next couple of days over the weekend. But other than that... Yeah, moving pretty well. I'm looking pretty excited. This will give me a good gauge on how this week goes. It'll give me a good gauge on on basically how I'm going to run the peak week. It's looking like a competitive season. Season B is always a massive show. So it's going to be very interesting to see all the competitors there on the day, who does what shows. I think pretty much from the end of September right up until the start of November, there is a comp every weekend. Yeah, I think I looked at it and I'm pretty sure that we both you and i are pretty much working almost every day straight for the whole of october and yeah pretty pretty much the whole of october so i know i know you and i will both be at the icn melbourne champs melbourne championships as well as the nba is it the state or the nationals it's the nationals this year so that's the nba show 
uh, and then we'll be both be at the ICN Nationals as well, which is the week after. So it's three weekends running. If you do see us there, come out, say hello. We're always down for a chat. We said we both got one competitor each, so we'll be there most of the day. I'll be there for fitness. You'll be there for bikini, and we'll be, both be there majority of the days every weekend. Yeah, and I think we're both in the, in between for for sport and a couple of them too. So come down, say hello. But in in the meantime, we digress, and and that's a good quick overview overview, uh, which which probably leads us into you know what are we doing? What's the difference between you know a meal plan and and, and using macros? So. I know that if it fits your macros, everyone's probably seen it. It's very popularized, especially on Instagram and social media. It is basically you have a set of macros, you eat whatever you want to hit your macros. There's not really much of a plan. There's not as much consistency. It's more or less here's your numbers, hit your numbers, and away you go. I'd say that probably best defines and if it fits your macros approach. And then on the other side, you've got a meal plan. Now, a meal plan, it can sort of go one of two ways. So, yes, you've got the typical meal plan that most people know, which is you have repetitive foods day in, day out for a long period of time. So you might be eating, for example, chicken three times a day, seven days a week for six months straight. (laughs) not the meal plan that I want to be on personally but it is definitely out there I think we've all got those horror stories where clients have come to us even just gen pop clients as well as competitors and they've you know been given a, a meal plan by their previous coach and the first thing they say is oh I'm not going to be eating chicken three times a day for the rest of the week am I and no that is not just what a meal plan is we do implement meal plans quite a lot I know I do myself and you do as well but in the way that there is still some flexibility or it is specific to the client so it's not a one size fits all. It's definitely a conversation had with the competitor or gen pop person where, okay, what are your food preferences? Can we give a couple of options? If, hey, one day I don't feel like chicken, can I have fish? Of course, it's not just a very strict black or white. There is a little bit of gray there um, within measurement, of course. Even though it is comp prep and even though we are, aiming for the most optimal physique with the best conditioning possible, there does still need to be an element of the nutrition fitting the client the client or the competitor and their, their lifestyle rather than trying to force them to fit into the coach's ideologies of a meal plan or, or what they either did themselves or they gave somebody else. That's where it's, you know, it's not a one size fits all. We need to blend them. We need to blend the, the the client of the competitor's lifestyle into the nutrition that is going to work best for them and that's going to get them to where we need them to be. Now, obviously, there's always going to be some non-negotiables where it's like, no, this is what you need to eat. You know, this is your choices. Um, and that might look like, you know, okay, for, for three out of four meals, I need you to have some lean meat. Uh, and these are your choices where it's going to be, okay, you've got white fish, you've got chicken breast, you've got lean beef strips. And they, they're your choices. What you do with those, with the substrates that we've given you, be it protein, fats, carbs, veggies, fruit, whatever, et cetera, how you do that is is up to you as long as it meets a certain parameter. So, you know, you're not deep frying your chicken. Uh, you're not cooking in in a, you know, 50 mils of oil. There, there needs to be that that sort of blend. And, and I, for one, I mean, look, I'm pretty robotic and pretty repetitive in the sense, and I know you are too, but at the same time, 
you will need some normality as well because even though comp prep is extreme, you still have to transition to normal life later on as well. And if you've been eating one particular food for six months straight to get on stage and then all of a sudden the stage isn't there, it's like, well, then how do you eat like a normal human being again? And that's where you see a lot of people have that binge mentality post-show because it's like I've been so strict for six months on on specific foods and now you get a taste of what everything else is like and you you just can't control yourself at that point. Eating the same food for a prolonged period of time can bring up a whole host of other uh, indiscretions or, or or issues where we might develop some food intolerances. Uh, I mean, look at we look at your example for instance in that what well, ended up being your second comp it was just how much pumpkin did you eat? Mm. Too much. Yeah, and you didn't, you know, you just didn't like pumpkin uh, at the end. You're, sorry, your body didn't like pumpkin. It's not that you didn't like pumpkin. You were willing to do whatever you wanted and whatever it took, but your your gut just didn't like pumpkin. And yeah, that goes with protein sources as well to help keep a variance in, in the uh, microbiome. It's mentally. Yeah, mentally. You want to make sure you're also, you know, with vegetables, you you want to you want that rainbow you want to get that wide variety of, of antioxidants and and phytonutrients and micronutrients from the, the variation in foods as well so that's why it's also important to not just go chicken broccoli rice standard bro bodybuilding and yeah and that's where I, I sort of cringe at the whole bro you've got to push bro 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 you know let's go no it's got to be it's going to be hard yeah it's going to be hard and yeah it's going to be challenging and yeah there's going to be times where like you're not going out for dinner and you're not socializing and those are sacrifices you're going to have to make. But if it's a little thing like you want to eat some red meat instead of some chicken and it's got the same amount of fat content and pretty much the same amount of protein content, man, go for it. I mean, yeah, go for it. It's not the end of the world at that point. I think it's fair to say that we we use a blend of both and it really does depend on who we have as a client in terms of what we use. So, for instance, if we have a competitor that comes to us with very little nutrition knowledge, so they've never tracked a single food before, they're coming to us fresh, so they haven't had a coach previously and it's all new to them, we're not going to give them macros and a flexible approach when they don't even know how. So it's going to be very specific to the client that we get and and also how long we've been working with them for because if you've been working for someone for months and years on end, you generally know how their body responds to certain foods and certain macros. Whether If they're new and they've never tracked macros before, not only do they not know how to do it, but we've got no idea how their body responds. And if we're on a timeline and we've got 20 weeks to get to stage, it's just not going to be the most effective use of time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it's it's very important as well, you know, especially depending on what phase we're in, in that newer, fresher phase where we may need to go through like a pre-prep fat loss um, or initial fat loss phase where we haven't worked with a client before and they are a new client, it, it can be beneficial to run that strict kind of meal plan where it, it is a lot stricter. And that's, you know, it's one of those things where discipline creates freedom. At the same time, it gives us as a coach a good indication of whether this client is ready to diet or not only ready to diet, but ready for comp prep, um, if they can handle that first initial, initial, you know, meal plan dieting phase, but, and then rather than going, Hey, here's your macros off you go. And I think there's a time and a place, especially as well. I mean, 
for instance, I look at myself when I when I started with my coach, I was just, uh, you know, you and I, and, and you know, I'm not. I would say a lot of coaches, but at the same time, I know there's a lot of coaches out there that aren't as robotic as as you and I can be. And I mean, you're a bit more robotic than I am. You know, I was like, just just give me the macros, man. I eat the same thing every day. It's easy. You have your own meal plan. Yeah, I make my own meal plan, and not only that, for like for me myself, you know, I will make up things that the whole family can eat around what I can eat, what I will be eating as well. So, and and that's where the difference is going to be. But I think, you know, having a meal plan at the start, for me, uh, in, in my opinion, I think is, is always going to be the most beneficial. There's always going to be those outliers like you, myself. Um, I mean, I've got another comp prep client who's just been, is an absolute robot and he's doing season eight next year. And we've gone a bit of both. We've blended up. I'm like, here's your meal plan. This is what it should look like. What you do with this, I want you to track it at the same time and I want to see how you blend them in together. That's the perfect explanation of my current competitor at the moment. She came to me in a great condition and we decided to go through um, her prep to stage. And same thing, I said, here's your base, here's your framework for your meal plan. Now I want you to go away, utilise that meal plan, but also track it into an app. And then once we've nailed that, we can then start to make those changes where a little bit more freedom and flexibility comes in. And I find that that works the best, not only with getting them into a routine, but also getting them to track accurately. Now, how many times have you seen where you put a meal plan together and it should be X amount of calories, X amount of protein, and then they go enter it in the app and all of a sudden it's 500 calories above target or below. And you're just going through fixing up mistakes. I think that's a that's almost a message I, I reckon I get every week. It's like, hey, this doesn't. It's like you've entered it wrong. And I think that's an, that's also another. I mean, we, we could do a whole episode on that. You know, how to how to use my fitness pal and and chronometer. And I know you tend to use a bit of both. And I'm pretty pretty fixed on chronometer and 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 that. And that's also because I'm a dinosaur and I can't use too many different apps at once. Stay tuned because that'll be a great episode. That is a good episode. Uh, now you know what's coming up soon. But I mean, at the same time, it is an education and, you know, comp prep should not only be about getting somebody up on stage in the best physique possible and the most competitive physique, but it should also be, should also be an indication of one, this is how lean you need to get. Two, this is not sustainable. Three, this is what you need to eat in order to, you know, get to this sort of physique. But four, this is how we're going to transition you back into normal life as well. And there's so many different phases through that. And I think we can, you know, sort of talk about and work around, okay, where would, I mean, we've spoken about the initial phase where a meal plan is probably most likely going to be most suitable, right? So let's say, for instance, we're in a pre-prep, pre-prep fat loss phase. That's always a tongue twister to say. Pre-prep you fat said loss it, phase. So someone's, I'm not even going to repeat it. So someone's in that first initial fat loss phase a meal plan is going to be most ideal. For instance, 90% of the time, again, you're going to have those outliers, right? Now, I think if we move from there and we go into like a, a building sort of maintaining phase where we've created that sort of discipline and obviously time allows where we can have that build, either that that build or that maintenance phase before we go back into the, the last sort of dieting phase for comp, I think that's where we can start to allow a little bit of either, you know, just tracking your macros because we've set the framework. It also gives them something to fall back on 
because how many times do people then get carried away with if it fits your macros, they start including things like fropo pizzas and all the fancy low-calorie foods, and then they kind of get a little bit too carried away in all the sugar-free things, and then they sort of lose sight of the actual macros themselves. And to get someone back on track, they have that meal plan there to then go, okay, what was I doing before? Because what I was doing before was working well. I didn't have to think. It took me less time. So they have something to fall back on to then bring them back into that prep um, routine and mode. Yeah, correct. And I think as a coach as well, that it gives us a good framework where you can, you know, you can give that sort of leeway and that little bit of freedom to a client and go, okay, on your way a little bit, I'm just going to let the lead go a little bit. You've got your framework, you've got your base. And if they do get carried away and, you know, their macros are starting, you know, even if they're, they're in point, but you're, you're just not looking how I think you should look. You're looking a bit fluffy. What are you eating? Okay. And you know, you might go, okay, just track everything. And, and you go, all right, there's, there's some issues here. Let's rein it back in. We're going to jump back to a meal plan, right? This is how I feel like you should be in a build or a maintenance phase, right? We're going to take a step back, rein it in, lock and load it back again, just steer the ship steady again, and then go from there. And then you, you may or may not use a if it fits your macros type type again. Well, I mean, I mean, if it fits your macros is really such. I find it sometimes just an excuse to eat shit, shit, and make it work. I think that's where you know if it fits your macros. I think it's really one of those things that should just fucking die. Yes, have a bit of freedom, have a bit of flexibility, but don't be don't 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 eat like an idiot. At the end of the day, you still need to eat protein to build, maintain muscle and to feel satiated. It's not just eat whatever you want because I'm guaranteed, yeah, you can eat whatever you want. You're going to look great, but you're going to feel like shit. And if we want you to have cereal, we'll tell you. Don't worry. Oh, we happily give out the cereal and the carbs. Oh, cereal. Mm. I miss my cereal. Anyway. <laughs> can you tell that we're uh, in that prep? <laughs> so if you were just, when you structure your meal plans, how do you structure that, Amy? So... How I set my meal plans is basically the client comes to us, say we're going through a pre-prep phase, they haven't tracked before, and I go, okay, let's start you on a flexible style meal plan to get you started. So I'll look at their total calories that I want them to hit for the day. I'll get their total protein, total carbs, and total fats. Now, for me personally, I prefer whole meals over snacking throughout the day. So for example, myself and my current competitor, she has three meals a day plus one smaller meal, you could say. So I'll get her macros for the day. I will simply divide her protein by her four meals. I'll divide her carbs by her four meals and her fats by her four meals. That is as simple as it gets. I'll start her there just to get her used to having a protein, fats and carbs in every meal, just to get pure, purely to get routine and to create consistency without too much confusion i think people get carried away of you know carbs before training carbs after training no carbs at night fats in the morning yes that stuff comes later but to get someone started just keep it simple there's a lot of majoring in the minors to begin with when it's just like mate just focus on building some habits eating some whole foods eating some whole meals and creating structure and routine around that. And then from there, it's like playing video games. Pass the first level, then move on to the second level. Once you get all through all those levels, okay, now you're at boss level, right? Then from there, 
keep building. Yeah, yeah, you can you can have that maybe a little bit of flexibility, or you know, you'd be like me where I you know I can somehow manage to fit toast in my meal plan every single morning. Mm. You live for it every single morning, and you tell me every single morning. <laughs> Did I tell you I had jam on my toast yesterday because I had pumpkin for my carbohydrate sauce? Oh, anyways, things that get us excited. Exactly, exactly. But I mean. So that's where we're looking at. And it, it's about creating habits, routines, and structures first and first and foremost, rather than just being a food Nazi to begin with, I think. And I think that's where you know a lot of coaches and competitors sort of fall down. They're too all or nothing, too no rest days, no days off. It's more too focused on the details as well. Like, yes, the details matter, but to get someone started, if you want to grab someone's attention and you know give them confidence they can actually do it, don't overcomplicate it. I mean, and how many times do you see it where, you know, you, you see somebody give too many instructions straight off the bat and then the client just goes, this is just way too hard. Fuck it. I'm done. You just see it. You look at their face and you just see their mind just literally, like literally exploding in front of you. And you know, they're going to walk out of there and just go, well, that was a lot of information. I don't know where to start. Exactly. exactly. And and it's going to be times where you know, you're going to see clients struggle where it's like, there's that extra piece of chocolate just constantly just coming in at night. And it's like, Instead of banging your head against the wall and going, no, don't have the chocolate. No, no, no. What are you doing? It's like, okay. It's putting your plan. Yeah. Does this make you feel better? Right. And I, and I had this conversation with a non-competitive client this morning. It was like, she goes, she goes, that chocolate you gave me, she goes, it, it makes me feel like it caps off my day. And I can relate to that personally because I do the same thing. Every night at the moment, I have a bowl of Yopro and some strawberries. And for me, like, that's it. My day's I'm, done. I'm happy. Food is over. Right. I don't need to think about any more food. I don't need to go looking for any more food. Like in my mind, I'm capped. And if that works for your competitor, where it's like, okay, we're going to fit two squares of dark of dark chocolate or milk chocolate or whatever chocolate. Let's not, let's not get coerced on, you know, what chocolate is best or, you know, if that's going to make you feel better, fine, have it. I mean, I remember with my current competitor, she did a photo shoot last year. And in, and the thing that kept her compliant was, I gave her a kinder surprise every single day. Why a kinder surprise? Because we tried a block and we, I said, okay, break off X amount. She goes, no, nah. it was, it was, it was done. It was over. And from there it was, okay, on your way home from work, you're going to stop. You're going to buy one kinder surprise and you're going to get it. And that's your, that's it for the day. You finish that on the day and you're done. And look, if you, if you look at it and you go, okay, at the end of the day, it's 90 calories. Can we fit that in? We made it work. 100%. It kept her compliant. Exactly, exactly. And that's what it's all about at the same time as well. It's about compliance and it's about, you know, not... You can have the perfect plan, but if your client or your competitor can't follow it, the plan's shit. Correct. And it's about the compliance during prep, but also after prep as well, because they're going to have those social aspects. And we've touched on this so many times before, where there's going to be those social aspects aspects where people go, oh, you're done now. Come out, have a I'll pizza, feed you. have a donut have a glass of wine and if, if somebody's being you know absolutely too restrictive eating the same thing over and over like the floodgates are going to open and it's it ain't gonna stop exactly and it's it's so hard to come back from from there and this is where i think a lot of eating disorders can stem from comp prep whereas you know in the other hand it, it, comp prep can be used in order to help eating disorders or help people you know with their relationship with food and go okay as an educational tool at the same time. So, I mean, if we look at it and go... It's probably a good thing to touch on as well in terms of post-show, 
is not a time to jump into if it fits your macros and eat whatever the hell you want as long as you keep your calories. It is the worst time for it. Exactly. And you took the words right out of my mouth. And this, I was just going to touch on it and go, okay, let's lay out a framework. For you and I, we're pretty much, we pretty much think the same thing. And if we don't, I know you're pretty much going to tell me now. So if we have, I'm going to, I'm going to say it straight out. You come to me and you've got 16, 20, probably 24 weeks, depending on you know, on your current state and where you're at, you're going to be on a meal plan and you're going to stay in a meal plan and you're pretty much going to be gluten-free. You're going to be dairy-free. Uh, and you're pretty much those top five intolerances. You are going to be like eliminating. Why? Because we don't have time to Mess to around, play around, yeah. right? I don't have time to test if you've got a gluten intolerance, if you don't already know. I don't have time to test if you've got a dairy intolerance, right? We don't have time. And it, any of those sort of setbacks, right, are setbacks and will cost us time and put us behind the eight ball. Well, then 24 weeks becomes a 20-week prep. And then 20 weeks becomes 16 weeks. And it's like, well, you how long's a piece of string? You can't just keep closing this prep date. You're never going to make it on stage on time. Yeah, and we can't waste the first four to eight weeks, you know, trying to figure things out. But I mean, so if you come to me in that respect, you know, with that with X certain amount of time where you've only got enough time to lose body fat and you've got a decent structure behind you, you're going with plans. Plain and simple. If you come to me and we've got like I've got a couple of Let's say for season A next year, season A next year, I mean, even now it's only about 29, 30 weeks away. So it's really getting on that cusp where it's like, mm, where, depending on where you're at. But now you might come into a build phase and, and even now you're pretty much going to be on a meal plan. I think even for now, I think the only people that are going to warrant from this point in time, having that flexibility are going to be season B 2024 competitors where we've got that 52 weeks. It's like, okay, we're going to start on a meal plan. You're going to do that initial body fat fat loss phase if needed, which most people generally do. We're going to come in a bit, uh, a bit softer, a bit rougher on the edges. Then from there, right, we're going to let the lead go. I'm going to give you some macros uh, and I'm going to give you a meal plan at the same time because... But when it's time to reel it in, we're reeling it in. It's reeling it in. If, you're, if we've laid out, like, I want you to only gain a couple hundred grams on average of weight a week or 0.2% body fat on the calipers, and you're gaining, you know, 500 grams, 700 grams a kilo. It's like, whoa, 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 rain it in there, Nelly. Pull those, pull, pull that, pull that in. We're going back on a meal plan. So I think really that's the only time that where macros are going to be, have the ability to be used. But at the same time, I do like to utilize, you know, let's say chronometer or my fitness pal as well as a meal plan. Because at the same time, what I put in and what you put in, there may be a bit of variation. There always is. I may input on my end where, okay, I've used chicken breast for your lean protein sources, but you've got something that's got three grams of fat rather than one in each uh, serve of protein, right? Therefore, because you're eating that slightly fattier kind of meat, which is probably, you know, your lean beef strips, which is slightly fattier, right? You're going to have to pull back from somewhere else. And that's going to give you a good bit of accountability as well. So you've got accountability from me, your coach. You've got accountability from logging your food. Um, and and therefore it's going to also educate you at the same time and go, oh, all right, I already know. I'm meal prepping some lean beef strips instead of chicken breast tomorrow. Oh, no, that's got a little bit more fat in it. So I need to pull back my fat somewhere else. Correct. I'm probably going to have to rein in that 10 grams of olive oil that I usually put on top of my salad, gone. It's a good education tool too because now people 
don't just have a meal plan, but they know what their meal plan consists of. So they know what chicken contains. They know what rice contains. So when it comes to transitioning to, I suppose, normality, they have an idea of what their food contains, not just I eat chicken because it's good for me. It's like, no, I eat chicken because X, Y, Z. It's an easier way to then transition someone to that flexible if it fits your macros approach, especially post-show. I think it's super important that everyone knows that once the show date is over, your prep isn't over. You can expect to still be dialed in for at least six to 16 weeks post-show, depending on how lean you are and how hard we had to push to get you there. I know my competitor that competed about 16 weeks ago now, she just came to me today and she goes, I thought I had recovered, but I actually have now, 16 weeks later. She just goes, my training session the other day was phenomenal. I hit some amazing weights that I've never lifted before. I'm actually waking up excited to train. I have energy. And this is 16 weeks post-show. Now, she has, yes, her calories have come up, of course, but she has still been on a meal plan structure for the last 16 weeks. Of course, a bit of flexibility here and there. She might be out for dinner one night, but the base of her nutrition is still a meal plan. She has her protein every day. She has her carbs. She has her fats. And even though she's eating whole foods, she hasn't actually recovered until 16 weeks post-show. Now, I'm not saying that everyone takes 16 weeks to recover, but sometimes that's what it takes. So the prep's not over once the stage is done. Yeah. And that's the thing to remember is that obviously it is such an extreme sport and that, you know, from a physiological standpoint, you know, a lot of your health markers and your blood markers are going to be through the toilet post-show. And it's going to take some time to get those back. And especially for females, especially the ones that do lose their cycle during prep. I mean, some may get it back very quickly. I mean, I think my last competitor got us back within three weeks. And we've had some that have, have, have taken, you know, 16 weeks, some take 12 weeks, some take six months. Yes, there's a lot of things that we can do to, to help it along the way. Um, you know, from a supplement perspective, from a sleep perspective, recovery, et cetera. But everyone's so different and you just you just don't know how long it's going to take for you to recover. I know it took me probably like 20 weeks to recover post-show. So everyone is very different. I think it's just important to not add more stress to your body. If you go for an if it fits your macros and you're going crazy with all sorts of food that not only your body hasn't digested, but you haven't eaten for, you know, six to eight months, and then all of a sudden you're dumping all of this on your body after going through such a stressful thing like jumping on stage. How do you expect your body to recover if you're still stressing it out every day? And what you touched on there was inputting different foods that you haven't been eating, you know, or or just being incons- inconsistent with foods. Now, I know we said that, you know, you don't want to be eating the same thing, exactly the same foods all day, every day, but you don't want to have too much variation at the same time because when it gets to that peak week, For us as a coach, we need to know what works for you. There's no point where you might have been eating God knows what carbohydrates or you've been eating cereal and it's like, okay, well, you know what? Your potassium levels have been a bit shit while you've been eating some cereal for that X amount of time. Now we need to bring some potatoes in. And if we do that on peak week, because obviously we need to get the correct electrolyte balance in order to get the best contraction throughout the muscle and get you looking as full as possible. And then all of a sudden your body just goes, nah, no white potatoes, bang, and you got gut distension, 
man, that's a shit time to get, uh, you know, to, to, to find out that you've got an intolerance or that you can't digest something. You know, having those parameters and going, okay, this is your list of carbohydrate sources for, to pick from. How you pick them when is up to you, but this is how much of X, Y, and Z you've got to. And I know when I put my carbohydrate sources in, it's like choose one of the following and it might be 200 sweet potato, 250 white potato, 200 grams cooked rice. Cooked rice and and as a client, you'll gravitate towards, you've got your food sources that are your go-tos, right? My last competitor, she, even before she even decided to compete, she never ate rice. It was always potato or pasta or things like that. So we never used rice as her peak wheat carb source because not only had she not consumed it for the last six months, but she actually had never really consumed it in normal day life. So when we tried to give her white rice, her body just didn't know how to digest it well. And these are things that we're testing out along the way, of course, especially in that initial console, we're getting all this feedback from the client, like what their diet is currently like, because that's so important coming into a prep. You're not completely just going, here's a meal plan I use for everyone. All right, go away and you know come back when you're ready to compete or get on stage. It's going to be very specific to person to person. And then I know my current competitor, like all she eats is white rice. So white rice is a staple in her diet and she has rice bubbles and is obsessed with rice bubbles. It's like, fine, that's your carb source. Like no issues at all. You've always eaten rice bubbles, so I'm not going to take it away from you. It works. Oh, rice bubbles. Out of everything, I'm like, really, rice bubbles is the most blandest food you can imagine. <laughs> I know. I put rice bubbles and cornflakes in the same category of cereals. It's like my bubble. Those were the as a kid now let's just all remember i was a fat kid i would put sugar on top of my cornflakes and rice bubbles because i just found them so bland but anyways that's another story were you, were you a fruit loops kid no i wasn't a fruit loops kid actually i was a nutrigrain kid oh there you go yeah yeah that honey honey and maple syrup kind of flavor i mean you wouldn't guess that i like maple syrup okay i was a i was a cornflake girl i must admit but i was a crunchy nut cornflake oh see crunchy nut cornflake was different it is different. Okay, so you've got me there. It slaps. Yeah, that's got it's got a bit of bite. It's got some. It's got that taste in it. Um, but anyways, we digress. So I mean, looking at it in respect, I think if you're a first time competitor, the good you know the best approach for you is going to be giving yourself a set regimen of foods. Would that be you know, a set regimen of protein sources, carbohydrate sources, fat sources, vegetables? Not so much as long as they're not of the starchy kinds. Get some fruits in in there as well. So I think having a set regimented of that, if you're a first-time competitor, is going to be the most important part. Uh, if you have got a long prep ahead of you, start in that respect with a meal plan, discuss it with your coach. But at the same time, if your coach has just told you, no, it must be chicken, rice, and broccoli, or it must be, oh, I think I remember there's that, I remember there's that meme. It was like, I eat fish and rice cakes, and I eat fish and rice cakes, and I eat fish and rice cakes. Fish and lettuce. Yeah, or fish. Oh, the fish and lettuce diet. Oh, I remember that one. Fish and lettuce. If if it is something like that, you know, question it. Question at the same time. Ask why. Yeah, ask why. And if they haven't got a good enough reason, change coach. If you've got enough time, change coach. But at the same time, you know, so I think from there, those are the two options. Long time, long, long prep. Start with a meal plan. Start with sending some habits and routines. If you've got a short uh, prep ahead of you where you've only got a fat loss phase, I think that's your only option really in retrospect because you don't have time to lose. And the last thing you want to do is get up on stage and look look to your left, look to your right and go, 
oh, I should have tracked a bit harder or I should have been a bit more strict on my food or... You'd never want to get on stage thinking I could have done more. Correct. I always have the mindset of you get on stage knowing that you have done everything in your power to get into the condition you have been in. If you get to stage knowing that you've, you know, cheated on your diet or wasn't wasn't truthful to your coach, it's like why bother competing? Because at the end of the day, like you're just competing against yourself, right? Absolutely. So I think to round things off, the only other place where if you do warrant a build or a maintenance phase, try a little bit of flexibility. Try using that base and that routine that you've already established in that initial fat loss phase and then go, okay, can I have a little bit of this? Can I have a little bit of that? And this is not an invitation to add in a pizza a week or add in you know, a donut a day. This is going, okay, can I've, I've got 20, 20 grams of carbohydrates left for the day that, you know, extra, or I've, I've been given extra 50 grams. I might have a bowl of cereal in, for that, or I might have, you know, 50 grams of maple syrup throughout my day spread all over my white rice and chicken. That's delicious, by the way. Put a bit of salt on that. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. So that, and that's that's where you know you might have those those little additions in that you know sort of maintenance or build phase where you do have a little bit of extra calories to to deal with and a bit of extra leeway. But I think coming into that final fat loss phase and definitely throughout peak week, it's it's hundred percent meal plan for me. And if your coach hasn't given you a meal plan, chances are you've probably created your own. You've stuck to the same or similar foods during peak week, especially leading into show. You don't want too much variety leading into show just because it is that final week and there's nothing worse than working for 30 weeks and then having your final week absolutely be flipped upside down and all of a sudden you look like your four weeks um, need, need to be dieting for another four weeks. So I think coming into show, it's generally speaking going to be a bit of a stricter and tighter meal to plan. Of course, with the flexibility of foods that you have been consuming the entire prep. Yeah. And then again, post-show, you know, there is still that need to be dieting, whether it be four, six, eight, 16 weeks post-show, depending on how you recover and how you bounce back. And please, for the love of God, do not order yourself a big box of donuts or brownies or a cake with your name on it. Not mentioning any names. Not my current competitor ordered a cake and I said to her, you are going to delete (laughs) that order right now because i can tell you now that entire cake will be going down like a treat and there goes the floodgates i i already i can i already know there's going to be boxes and boxes of donuts post uh, backstage post show uh, when we are there not for our competitors but i know there are that will be floating around and it's just like if you bring that to me i will be slapping those in the heads going put the donut down Put the donut down. Absolutely, and I'll be right behind you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put the cookie down. That's the word. That was the line I was looking for. Put the cookie down. Um, so definitely. But yeah, post-show is going to be very important. So sticking to, I think, depending on your mindset, but I think having a meal plan post-show is going to be most optimal. If your coach thinks that they can trust you or you have the correct mindset to stay within you, know, you might have a little bit of flexibility and that might come in maybe four weeks afterwards. Where So the initial four weeks will be strict meal plan, slowly building calories back up in that reverse diet phase and then go, okay, now I want you to add in a food of your choice. It might, and it might, it might be a discussion that you have with your coach. Go, okay, what do you want to add in? I can see that you're having a good relationship around food again. What do you want to add in? You might be like, I want to add in some cereal. Okay, great. This is how much you've got. 
this is in your meal plan. You're gonna have, you've got some cereal and you've got some Tony's sea salt caramel chocolate. Shout out to Tony's great chocolate. And then at the same time, that's where you you know you and your coach need to communicate and go, hey, I ate the whole box. And it's like, well, you know what? We're gonna substitute that cereal back out for some sweet potato. Because unfortunately, you're just not at the stage where you can have those hyperpalatable foods yet. And then, you know, once you hit that post-show recovery and you're fully recovered. And most of the time, you know, when you're fully recovered, because you look at food and you just go, meh, whatever. Like you have less of a food focus. You're not sitting there on Instagram scrolling going, oh my God, look at these cakes and look at these donuts and look at everything. Like, you know, when you're recovered, when you go, yeah, I'll have some, but like, I'm not thinking about it 24 hours a day. Big for yourself. For me personally. Well, well, I mean, that's that's the problem. That's the problem with me that used to be a chef. So ra- rounding up, I mean, hopefully that was a good information on going where it is good to have a meal plan and, and that sort of strict guidelines and where you can, you know, have a little bit of flexibility in terms of, you know, flexible dieting. I think both obviously have their merit and both are well utilized but at the same time also if it fits your macros you can die um, as a label because people just come and think if it fits your macros means what i can fit in my mouth basically so i think that's where you know flexible dieting went from flexible dieting to you know if it fits your macros i can eat whatever i want at the same time if you have any more questions about that also do send us a message on our instagram the prep files podcast yeah, there's an anonymous box there. You don't have to leave your name. Just chuck us a question. If it's specific to you, add as much detail as you like and we'll do our best to answer them in upcoming episodes. You can also find myself on Instagram at Amy Dorrell and Tyrone. You can find you at... Uh, coach underscore Felino. That's F-O-L-I-N-O. And find us both down at Enterprise Fitness. That's where we are both located if you see us at the shows, uh, we'll be at the ICN and the NBA shows. Unfortunately, I know myself won't be able to make it to the A and B ones. Come down, say hello. We'll be the people with the Enterprise Fitness kits on. Our competitors will be with the Enterprise Fitness kits on um, and the gowns. So come down, say hello. Give us a wave. Give us a fist pump. We'll speak to you on the next show and it's time for bed. Good night. Good night all. <laughs> <laughs>